0: to my podcast conversations with David. I'm your host, David Owasi, And on this podcast, we're talking to accomplished entrepreneurs across the country. We are learning about what keeps them passionate, what keeps them going. And we're also talking about some of the lessons learned along the way. Now I'm here with my very good friend, Andre. And uh, Andre and I have been friends for some time now, and I'm super, super excited to have him on the show. Andre, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, thanks, David. Thanks for Thanks for having me on, first of all um so uh
1: quick introduction oh no good question i mean i've uh i guess i've tried to apply for a couple of things and they always ask you for a quick intro mm-hmm. and it's like it's so hard to i'm terrible at it uh the best thing i think i came up with was i'm a first generation immigrant who fell in love with entrepreneurship um i think and then you know that i've through university i was involved in a number of kind of trying to give back as best as i can and trying to uh, I guess inadvertently, I didn't realize it at the time. Build a network through entrepreneurship and small startups. So, um, but since then, uh, gone on to finish uh, my undergrad in business and entrepreneurship with a focus for in eight years, uh, <laughs> and uh, basically focused on work, working on a number of local startups at the time. That's kind of what I were, was prioritizing most of my school, quote unquote, is uh, trying to get as much experience as I could. Again, graduating with an entrepreneurship uh, degree didn't really have warrant a solid like, hey, here's a hard skill. Apply for a CFA mm-hmm. path and congratulations, eighty thousand dollars a year. Here you go. So <laughs> um, I had to yeah try to piece the pieces of experiences together and realize that like I worked at a bigger company, smaller company, smaller company, smaller company, smaller company, and noticed the, the trend of. Hmm. The, the smaller, the smaller, the number of people on the team, the more hats you have to wear as an individual and the more responsibility you have, the more freedom you have, the more responsibility mm-hmm. you have. So it just turned into this idea. I was like, Hey, listen, I think starting your own business is probably, probably best. I also didn't get along with most of my bosses. <laughs> well, it's something <laughs> we didn't get along.
0: I just had disagreements with them. So absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh nice introduction, dear Andrew. And uh I want to start my question first with uh just trying to get a sense of uh, unpacking your, your journey in entrepreneurship. Mm. So why were you interested in entrepreneurship in the first place? How did you know that entrepreneurship is going to be your thing and what started that that path for you? You know what? That's a that's a great question. And that's one of those
1: questions. Um I'll tell you how I ended up there Uh, because I went to university first year I did um, engineering um, and I wanted to go into mechanical engineering. And then I went and I got a sales job uh, in a a car dealership over the summer. And then I was told that I'm a people person and I should go. And I thought, Oh, you know what business it is, here we go. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for two years, I was clueless about what I wanted to do in business. I thought about going accounting because somebody told me that's a steady job. And I'm and I tried an accounting position for two years. I realized, oh boy, that's not for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and and I get it, I respect accounts for their diligence, uh, but it was just like I'm not I need a constant things to things to move. Mm. Um and I found entrepreneurship as I just started asking questions like, well, what is the valuable and the meaningful thing that I found? And I don't know, it sounds kitschy and maybe sounds a little corny, but I feel like the entrepreneurship nowadays is kind of like the closest thing you can get to a hunter-gatherer primal experience where you kind of eat what you kill. Again, so many cliches, but I think they work because the ups and the downs um, are probably the most rewarding career-wise um, that you can get as a human. I think it's kind of in this capitalist world, we have a number of ways to express ourselves in a valuable way that you can actually sustain yourself as a living and fundamentally coming back to it. I think I started with entrepreneurship because I saw that as a, as the avenue for to really can be the captain of your soul to, if you, if you disagree with everybody, or it's not even the disagree, but if you, if you for some reason, think that, um, you kind of have a better way of grasping with the small thing than other people. And you think you, it's a valuable thing that you're doing. Um, you can be your own kind of, you can have your own freedom to, uh, to do that um, and get paid for it and build a career around it and help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's essentially why I really admire entrepreneurship. I mean, there's a whole bunch of economic reasons. You know, 70% of the uh, workforce works for small businesses. I mean, small is up to 500 people. But mm-hmm. um, And overall, I think it's just the core of the American, North American dream class mobility, freedom, freedom to work whenever you want, uh, and however hard you want.
0: Yeah, so much to unpack there, uh, Andrew. Yeah, I, 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 I really like uh, the comparison uh, you made of entrepreneurship to that primal hunter gathering thing because you're very much responsible for your keep. You're not relying, technically, you're not relying on someone to hand over things yeah. to you. You go out there, you make your fortune and, you know, fortune, uh, fortune, fortune, Favors the Brave, I think is what the, the term is. Uh, and I definitely agree with that. And when I just think about my experience, kind of just listening to your experience, uh, I knew that I, I wanted something out of the ordinary, you know, work for a company, build your career day, and just kind of climb up the corporate ladder. I knew I wanted something where I can control, I can mold, and something I'm passionate about. And uh, I started also my own career in uh, computer science. While I love computer science, I actually thought that, that was the path to entrepreneurship because, you know, starting a tech company, and that was my whole motivation for studying computer science. But of course, um, College Pro was for myself one of the real, real place where I was able to really get my hands dirty right. and learn the nitty gritty of it. So from yourself, what I'm hearing from you is you know, entrepreneurship came from you, just you know, it's the natural way you think about the world and how you approach life itself. How did that transform? How does that interest? In entrepreneurship being, you know, that primal state, how does that transfer into real life of you actually being involved in businesses? What did that transition look like? What was your first actual experience in entrepreneurship?
1: Well, um, I think the freedom, I think the biggest thing, um, that I saw, as I was, I was saying, it's like working for a bigger company. So say skip the dishes mm-hmm. where they were just kind of post series B around. I think they had a couple of hundred people, 500, 600 people, maybe even. Um, and it was working there and you realize, okay, well, this is a smaller company than what I used to work at. Um, you have a little bit of freedom, but all the processes are already there. As an individual, you can't really make much of an impact. You work on, on the sales team, the scripts are written, the processes are written. Here's your A to Z. And you just say this and re, re, rinse and repeat. Um, and I was a sales guy, so mm. on cold calling was a big thing. And I uh, I still kind of uh, th- think about that experience as a big learning opportunity because, yeah, forced you to to not out to basically somebody else made the decisions and you just had to go through the motions. Didn't feel fulfilling. <laughs> Um, and if you pay attention to how you feel at work, it's like, oh man, I'm really watching the clock today. Mm. Um, and some of those days were really, really long. So, um, and then I moved to a smaller company. Uh, I moved to permission click where it was a team of, I think 10, 10, 12 people. Um, and then it was like, oh, sales job, but now there, there is no process. You Mm. get to choose whatever you want to do. See, Mm. as long as it works, you get to do that. Um, and I tried that. And again, I think it was the freedom of making your own decisions, even the simple things like writing emails and figuring out when to send them, who to send them to, how to, how to prospect and find new clients. And I think it was fundamentally the freedom to, have a, to basically go out there, find a fact or a blog post or an article that you think does something good mm-hmm. and go and test it and go out and bring results and report on results and be as honest as, as you possibly can be. And, um, and that's, there's that, and then, you know, three, five, 10 years, almost 10 years now down the line, um, uh, of kind of that long path run a re- you run your own business and you realize that that process of, Hey, I'm going to go out there, get the right information and implement it and see what happens. That's very rewarding. You mm-hmm. learn, you mm-hmm. learn a lot and then you constantly learn. There's never, there's never, uh, you never learn everything and uh, it's very fulfilling and just it's just
0: fun every day. That's so. awesome, man. That's awesome, man. I, I guess that's the whole idea of entrepreneurship. I think it's what the, the term is called where you basically work in an environment where you can experiment, try new things, almost like you're running your own business and you're managing your own expectations. Yes. You're basically responsible for your work, which is what you've, you've shared there. And uh, that has a huge, huge impact. Tell me more about your current company, how all of those experiences have led to what you currently do right now, because yeah. you know what you're doing is pretty exciting. Share some more information about that.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so I started
1: my company Arialis in an uh, April, April 1st of 2020.
0: Right away, I so like I that did... name. Aerialis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's an awesome name. Yeah.
1: So uh, and uh, the um, the backstory there. Um, is that I worked in e-commerce, and then I was finding a gap in services where nobody was starting these small businesses. Where I worked for uh, for a large e-commerce company that develops apps, and they, although um, at the time there is a number of, sort of marketing agencies and e-commerce agencies you could go to and say, "Hey, I am a business. I don't want to." higher and scale uh, development team or a technical team. I just wanna make the best subscription box, best dog toys, best um, whatever makeup possible. I just want someone else to do the, do the tech. And if you're in a small, uh, like you, there's a million of them to large, uh, to serve as large enterprise, but there was increasingly small, uh, basically nobody other than freelancers that you could really uh, look out for. And so that's where I saw the gap and I started the business. Um, into the pandemic. And um, thankfully, the industry just only grew during that time. So it was a really good time to, of all things, it was a good opportunity to take advantage of. Um, And yeah, and we've essentially grown and we started providing Shopify services at the start. And for the first year, so now it's been just a bit over a year. For the first year, we've purely focused on our service and expanding the services that we provided. Because I mean, services we provided as things I could do and knew how to do in sort of an effective way Mm -hmm. at the beginning. And then I realized, okay, I'm not going to be the best web designer. I don't understand a lot about, I've never taken an (laughs) HTML, CSS or Mm -hmm. JavaScript course. I should probably find somebody who's talented and does that. So Mm -hmm. we did that. Then you look at, well... Either start you start outsourcing things that you know you're not going to be good at as as the business owner, um, and then we realized that if we wanted to do really really good work, instead of focusing on a broad list of all the things we could do for everybody on Shopify, for example, we decided to focus just on subscription companies and service, and essentially aiming to become number one uh, Shopify subscription agency you can hire to help mm-hmm. you with. Um, the technical bottlenecks for subscriptions on Shopify. So it's a really small niche, if you think about it in, uh, from a global standpoint, but um, uh, but also a highly, very quickly growing niche. Mm. And when I say a small niche, I mean, there's probably 20, 30,000 companies that are doing subscriptions on Shopify. So um, the market is big, to, big, big enough to, for us to build a great company, mm. um, but we're scaling. Uh, scaling as as that goes and that kind of took some soul searching to figure out okay what are we good at what do we like doing where are our strengths and what's the market really where's the opening Mm. like where can we position how can we position ourselves so we can actually stand out from i mean hundreds
0: of thousands of people who service shopify stores amazing amazing uh and you know considering myself as a, a business coach and that's kind of what i do this is i really like what you said there how can you stand out and that's what we'll call a, a market dominating position what is a unique selling proposition that makes you different in the market and having that niche audience and niche target and specifics of yeah. what you do helps you stand out but yeah. let's kind of uh, go back a little bit you know starting a business in the pandemic must not have been a very easy decision i mean it's scary to start a business in the pandemic and I know there was a, there's a whole lot of stories in the in the background regarding what happened, but what does that feel like starting a business in a pandemic and how did that experience affect how you went about running the yeah. business? Well,
1: um, you know, like you know, um, I've ran a College Pro franchise before, and that was kind of the closest thing I've uh, I say I've started five businesses. Three of them never made a single dollar. One mm-hmm. of them never made profit. And this is kind of the best bet that I got right now mm-hmm. uh, to scale. And I mean, it's been it's been over a year and we're still here and we're still plugging away. Things are That's good. Awesome. I can't complain. So, um, but college, so for example, College Pro, you and the feeling, the, exactly the feeling that you had when you're starting a franchise, you have somebody who's laid out the framework for you. And all you have to do is turn to the person to the left or to the right and ask them a question. Is this going to work? Am I, what should I do? Um, starting a business when I did, especially not knowing whether I'm going to have a first client um, was, yeah, it was stressful mm. <laughs> to say the least. And this is, I used to, when I would um, yeah, a lot of stress, I'll say this. And I didn't, I'm fairly like emotionally cu- cued in person. I think I thought of myself as that, but um. I was, uh, I, I was telling you part of the story is like once, once I realized, okay, I really need to start this business and really need to find new customers, I was borderline having a panic attack uh, where I didn't even realize it. I thought I had COVID because I was short of breath and I was like freaking out. Um, so um, and through university, when I was doing a whole bunch of the student pre- entrepreneurship evangelism, um, I would used to say every, entrepreneurship is for everybody. Everybody should try it. Um, and I've started to realize it's like, you have to have some sort of a degree of uncertainty, not necessarily uncertainty, avoidance, uncertainty, tolerance, and you have to be okay to roll with the punches. Like, I still don't know where my income is going to be, you know, next year I don't have, or really like in reality, I don't know if I'm going to have income three months from now. Right. Cause it's like things fluctuate and, um, And I know a lot of people who would be like, oh, my God, how do you do that? (laughs) Um, And uh, my girlfriend tells it to me all the time. It's like, I'm kind of surprised that you're okay with so much uncertainty in your life. But the thing is, as an entrepreneur coming back to the fulfillment side of it, you build a small skill set of how to generate value to other people and other people will be giving you money with it through it. So it's uh, you You solve problems for them in a way that they want to pay you. And then that's kind of what make, helps you sleep at night is, you know, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen three months from now. In reality, even if you're on a year long, two year long, five year long employment contract, you have no idea what's going to happen in three months. Sure. So um, it's kind of this illusion. And I, as, a, as an entrepreneur and trying to start your own thing, you have to be okay with with that realization um, to the point where you're not, again, not losing sleep and not getting depressed, anxious uh, and all these things. So I think I was quite, I'm quite privileged, maybe born with just the genes that I'm fairly happy go lucky. And it's like, ah, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, and it seems to work out.
0: <laughs> so. You know, yeah, that's that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting because uh, I, I feel the same feelings you're feeling as an entrepreneur. I understand, you know, that dealing with uncertainty and what you can't control. And I think, you know, it's just the idea of, you know, don't focus on what you can't control because there's no point worrying about it focus on what you can control and which is what you've laid out. So I have a specific problem I can solve. I have a specific niche. I can take that skill to and solve. And then of course, in the way a lot of business owners perhaps miss the market is not having a specific strategy to go out there, to talk to those people and win their trust and do business with them. And I think if you have those three elements connected together. The sky really is the limit. Uh, if you can connect. Those well, that's the, that's the hope. The hope here is now like we can, we can,
1: uh, expand this specific niche fast enough before somebody turns around and goes like that guy with three people wants to do this. Like, let's just crush him. Let's just mm-hmm. roll out a page on our site that is going to instantly steal all of his business because we've <laughs> got more traffic, more customers, more resources, but, um, can other businesses, bigger businesses take your position and say, Hey, you know what, going forward, we're the, sh- where the subscription people you need to talk to. Um, it means saying no to a lot of work. Mm. Um, And that's kind of what I think in business and positioning um, comes back to and focus is like, it's, it means saying no um, to a lot of customers. So that's the thing. So it's like, that's one of the decisions we have to do going forward. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, Hopefully that's kind of the career bet for the next couple of years. Right. Is that I'm dedicating my, yeah, my future to if we can focus on the small thing and try to do it really, really well, well maybe there's there's a company and or world class customer experience for people and a company that we can build around
0: absolutely um, i think I think you have something really special here, Andre. and, uh, you know, it, I, I believe in this age, it's better to be a specialist than to be a generalist. And I think the more specialized you are, the more niche you are, the more you can actually say I'm the best at X, Y, Z. Yeah. And uh, that brings in the revenue, I think. Yeah, I think. Well, the thing is, my my personal kind of dilemma there
1: is on one hand I know myself that I love doing different things and for me um the idea of uh, we're just going to specialize in doing this one thing is completely counterintuitive because I like learning about this I like learning about this and I like learning about this um and I don't know if you ever heard of uh it was Scott Adams double triple threat idea it's like if you want to be the best in the world at something you Mm -hmm. can either pick one thing and try and try to be the best in the world at it if you're a basketball player hey you know exactly what you got to do ridiculously competitive what the better option would be is and scott adams likens himself as like uh, scott adams is the cartoonist guy who does the dilbert cartoons right
0: mm-hmm.
1: he's like i'm not the best cartoonist i'm not the best public speaker and i'm not the best writer but if i need to be a public cartoonist public speaker cartoonist who also writes I am basically one of a kind who has these three overlapping skills mm. that all add value to each other. So you have this kind of, um, double, triple threat where you don't necessarily have to be the best at one thing. You still create a lot of value by combining a number of skills together. And I think fundamentally, once you peel back our kind of business proposition of we're just going to be the best at Shopify subscriptions, um, it's really, we're gonna be the best at Shopify subscriptions with these two particular pieces of technology and also bringing customer service that I really like. I have I mean, at this point worked in sales and customer service for um, most of my career in some degree. Um, so it's like, they, so I, th- I think I'm starting to realize a couple of core features is like, hey, if you really focus on um, servicing the hell out of your clients and honest, transparent experience, for everybody and delivering on your promises, it's like, that's an added bon- benefit. So a bunch of people can focus on Shopify subscriptions, but mm-hmm. can they also deliver the same degree of transparency and honesty? So I think there's still even there, even with a really small focus, um, there's a lot of a lot of mental stimulus and still it's very exciting. And if somebody is looking at, well, I wanna do something really cool and I don't wanna niche myself down to being just like this one thing, there's even that one thing is going to require a million skills that you'll never run out of again. Learning from. Yeah,
0: I completely agree. And you know, considering you, I think you you were referencing a sports analogy. Like even if you're the you know best basketballer in the world, that doesn't mean you're only learning how to shoot the hoops, right? You got to mm-hmm. learn. You got to practice the strength. You got to practice the agility. You got to practice different skill set to master that one niche. So it's never yeah. as simple as just the one thing, but yeah. you know, very, very great points yeah. But um Andre, just from my conversation here, you know, mm. clearly I've been hearing your excitement about the world of e-commerce. And it sounds to me like you are really, really passionate about the space. You've of course had a, a experience a number of years working for other businesses that work in this space. What is it about the e-commerce space that really gets you excited and why should people really, you know, pay attention to the e-commerce space? Yeah. Um
1: you know e-commerce was kind of off my radar for a while and it's like it's kind of mind-blowing how big that industry has got even though how small it is relatively i think to retail i think e-commerce at this point is around 20 percent of retail global retail so mm. if somebody goes buy something about 20 percent of that happens online um th- those numbers have only been going up but the thing is for me what blows my mind about e-commerce is um kind of lifted the gate and democratized creating products and services, um, and it's more, more specifically products, um, where you don't have to have a contract with a Sears or a Walmart or a Best Buy or Home Depot to build this one particular product that you might have the insight to. Um, which means it's like for $50 a month you can get a Shopify account and you can get somebody in your country to buy this thing that you've designed and maybe patent it or whatever. You don't even have to go that far. Mm. And fundamentally what that means is like now a lot more people are starting to sell and start businesses online, uh, which again, comes back to me evangelizing entre- entrepreneurship. Um, but the even better thing about e-commerce is that it does two things better than retail, traditional retail. Um, You don't have to think about fulfillment. So chain, like the supply chain is not an issue because you stick it in the mail and it gets delivered. Um, And the marketing is the next piece where you get to directly control how the customer comes and experience with your brand and your product. So um, fundamentally, I think e-commerce is kind of, is where the next, how should I say this? I really believe that the next Steve Jobs will come out of e-commerce because if you look at Apple as a company, what are they great at? Well, it was supply chain and marketing. And if Steve Jobs was alive today, he would be probably writing the copy on his own website because he was that kind of person who wanted to control the positioning and the branding and the story. And you can do that with e-commerce. You can have the inventor write the copy and tell that story directly. So the marketing is a lot more effective and for small businesses, and you don't have to worry about the supply chain, which means that fundamentally, long story short, you can take all that time and focus on making better products. Mm. You can focus on going back to customers, doing surveys, figuring out version two, version three, version four. Um, And I really believe that what podcasting, blogs, and YouTube have done to the world of kind of media and entertainment, you're going to have direct to consumer e-commerce will do the same thing to retail Mm. in five to 10, 20 years. And we're, we're seeing that on a smaller scale, but I do believe that at some point we're going to be a lot more comfortable buying online um, just because the experience is going to be that much better than going to, to a retail store. Mm. And I mean, the pandemic kind of highlighted a lot of this to us. Just from health concerns is one thing, but just from the experience that, hey, it is possible to buy online and you actually can have a better experience buying online because you do it from your home, you do it um, and it just gets delivered to the door. I mean, how much more simple can it get?
0: Uh, Yeah, and I definitely agree with you here, Andrea, from what you've shared here, it sounds to me like e-commerce is definitely the future of retail and everything is gravitating towards those. I know like even Amazon and lots of other companies They are starting to like test that. Of course, Amazon is one of uh, the the big uh, players in in this space. But my question for you, Andrew, is if someone is listening to us now and they are thinking, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't know what industry to focus on. I don't know what technology to focus on. Mm -hmm. But now they've heard you You've said e-commerce is the future of retail and this is going to be the big, big thing in the future. How can they go about starting, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur in this space? What kind of options do they have? Are the only options available, is the only option available is to start their own product to sell or are there other things they can do in this space to maximize this opportunity?
1: Yeah. Well, um, there's, yeah, there's two, two ways to go about it, I think. And this is just me being kind of top of mind, uh, what kind of first things that come. Um, starting with as people like to say hardware is hard so it's hard to design a physical product mm-hmm. that is it's actually very very hard to design a physical product it's a lot harder than to do a software product mm-hmm. or even an, a service product so we're, we're a service company and we started taking advantage of the e-commerce revolution um, and direct-to-consumer uh, trends by just providing our services as, hey, we are experts in X, Y, Z. We'll make better emails. We'll make better websites. We'll, we'll make sure your customers know all the benefits um, of your product. Don't leave. We communicate better uh, with them, X, Y, Z. You can do that, and you can become a freelancer. There's a million ways. Fiverr, uh, hey, um. Hey Carson is a specific Shopify specific one. Um, Store that's Tasker that's is another bad. Shopify specific one that is specifically for for freelancers where you can sign up and outsource your uh, your services. And then you can also, if you have a product idea, you can start just go to Shopify.com and start a service um, or start a product and put up a couple of pictures. And it's very very straightforward. Um, you can put up a couple of pictures if you have a prototype um i would almost say if you're not sure i mean there's kickstarters is another way of doing it uh where it's kind of where you don't have a you have an idea product idea and you need to pre-sell something that one's a little more like to to have success on kickstarter it requires a little more upfront capital if you really want to produce a really good video which typically is the key key clincher for kickstarter and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. um but I'd say it's, it's never been easier. So I'd say go to Shopify and see how easy it is that you can start an online store and start collecting credit card payments in four hours. If you really wanted to just pick a free theme and before you pay anything to Shopify, you can have a fully functioning online store. Um, the question of what to sell, that's a hard, that's the much harder part. And, um, and I, I don't know. It's, it that's yeah. That's like where where do good ideas come from? That's, right. that's
0: the question you're asking. And, uh, and that's or, I guess an, an entirely different conversation. You you have to kind of like experiment. Yeah. What do you want to sell? Okay. Well, you know, uh, and one thing I don't want
1: to um, I don't want to overhaul or um, write over. There's a there's a big piece of, for example, in e-commerce. Uh, I don't really do anything with it, but drop shipping. So it's taking someone else's product and just repackaging it and doing it. And I know not a lot of people who are doing it with uh, fulfilled by Amazon. So FBA mm-hmm. um, stores where you find a product that is maybe under marketed and you use your knowledge of English and your understanding of a customer niche. And you just reap. Obviously, the margins are smaller because you're paying somebody else to come up with this idea and design things. But. Um, and basically sell them and fulfill them, but there is definitely a business there hmm. um, too. So drop shipping is another thing that you can take a look at, design your own product and go direct to consumer drop shipping and reselling. Essentially, you can create services that freelance, if you're low, if you can design logos, if you can change fonts, if you have HTML and CSS or front end experience, back end experience. Um, And then just, again, picking a niche, you can really like picking the small customer group, people think of uh, some people that you can really help and figure out how many people just like this person that I've helped once Mm -hmm. can I find and how do I find them and how do I get my message to them
0: amazing those are fantastic uh, fantastic insights and four steps i'm fascinated by the world of e-commerce but that's not really my area of uh, expertise so it's very nice to hear some of those uh, ideas from you yeah. so for yourself uh, and this might be a dumb question but i'm very curious uh, about your answer what would be the difference between spotify and like an amazon selling on amazon like what's the difference there mm-hmm.
1: okay uh so uh so shopify and that's a comment i, I hear that all the time so mm-hmm. shopify and Amazon, the biggest difference is um, Amazon gets to control the website and you have very little control over how Amazon presents your product. So imagine and, um, and Shopify gives you full design overhaul of complete, you get a complete website. Um, so if I list my product on Amazon, um, Amazon chooses who gets to see it and um where to put it you can pay for ads on amazon you can bump up your ratings with better descriptions and so on and so forth um but you don't amazon has a lot of say and they handle the customer communication pretty much exclusively so you don't own your customers you don't own your customer lists um and um so those are the downside the upside is you get a you get to list on amazon and a lot of people will go on amazon and you don't have to think about that from scratch building traffic to your site because that's the i feel like that's the biggest difference for people um you still have to drive traffic to your amazon page but it's a lot easier than to have an infant website that google has never seen you're probably never going to rank well never um mm-hmm. you're not going to rank for years on organic seo mm-hmm. um on just like writing blog posts or it takes years to write blog posts podcasts and um content for your website to get it's a respectable degree of traffic. So that's what I would say is with Amazon, you, um, you pay more for their service because they deliver you that out of the box. Um, and I know a lot of people who do both, sell on Shopify, but also sell on Amazon just because different clientele shop differently. Um, and some people, I have an Amazon Prime account. If I can buy directly from there or um, from Amazon at a maybe a better rate with a free shipping option. Then I would do that, but um, that's what I would say. If you want freedom, you go to Shopify, um, and if you want, uh, um, yeah, and if you want more of a distribution from the get-go, you'll you'll pay a little more mm. um, with Amazon, and but you will it will save yourself some time there. So it's it really depends on how much how easy is your product to understand and how much flexibility you need with the page design and the product and brand. Yeah. Okay.
0: Totally makes sense. Yeah, that that really, really clarifies it. Thanks for, for answering that. Yeah. So almost Sorry, like kind weird. of a
1: long winded answer.
0: No, no, I, I really liked this. It's more, more like pick your poison, which one works better for, yeah. for what you're looking for, yeah. or even combining both. Yeah. Um, but my question, my next question here, um, uh, Andrew, is what would you say is the future of e-commerce then? So we understand that e-commerce will be the big player over the next couple of years. And of course, there's no right or wrong answers to this because, you no, know, who knows the future. But when you, based on your experience working with, you know, startups like Bold Commerce and other businesses that you've worked with, what do you see as a long-term future of the e-commerce space? Do you see, you know, uh, 50% of the market now going towards that space? Do you see something new coming out of the Antalya or? I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Yeah,
1: you know, it, it. I'll be honest with the with the market share and that sort of stuff, I haven't really looked. I'm sure there's better better projections out there and mm-hmm. I'm sure that people actually crunching these numbers. Um, I live kind of in this microcosm of, oh, well, how small businesses interact with e-commerce. But what I can see even from this small scale is, first of all, I see a lot more people starting out in e-commerce. So I would imagine there's going to be a lot more, like Shopify talked about last year, about a million Shopify accounts being started. So think about you started, you helped some, you have a million people start a business. That's ridiculous. Um, So uh, that's, and that's really cool. How many of those businesses actually made a dollar and became profitable and started scaling? It's all kind of uh, Pareto distribution, I would imagine. And an 80% of money comes from 20% of people. Um, But I think the future is we're definitely gonna see more and better e-commerce infrastructure. We're gonna see market pressure. We're gonna see people like just general consumers expecting better experiences on the web, um, expecting things like online, buy online, pick up in store. I know that I've, I do that and I started doing that more. And I mean, we've kind of been forced to do that for the last couple of couple of um, months too, or you know, through the last year. And big retail is coming around to this idea. This is now, well, it's not now. It's a, been around this idea of omni-channel selling um, uh, in retail has been kind of popular over the last 15, 20 years. So an omni-channel means is like, I want you to be able to buy wherever you are. So if that means that you're surfing our website or if you're on our Instagram page or if you're on our Facebook page, we want you to be able to find the right product, have a good brand experience, purchase, and then get it delivered or go and pick it up wherever. Mm. So um, I see a lot of people having ridiculously good e-commerce experience. Otherwise, they would just get pressured out, um, and they just would miss out on like leaving money on the table, and they would get um, left out. And um, or I mean, we're seeing this with retail. Even if you if you walk into a Best Buy nowadays. Uh, if you remember how it was, for example, five, five, ten 10 years ago, store shelves were packed, mm. right? And now it's more of a showroom experience. And I think Apple was kind of one of the first people to really start rethinking what does retail space look like? And I love actually taking like takeaways from retail into e-commerce uh, because sometimes we don't really think about it, but it's exactly how. So for example, if you've ever done any online shopping for clothing, like if you imagine what a clothing website would look like for sneakers or whatever uh, apparel, first two things you see is men's, women's. And then if you think about it, if you go to the mall, you realize, oh, as soon as I walk in, what am I asked to make a choice? Am I going right or am I going left? <laughs> right. And it's like e-commerce pretends like we're such rebels and we're crazy and, you know, so innovative, but people have been doing this. And then you go category one, category mm-hmm. two, category three, category four. So it's not, again, product discovery, all this customer experience, it's not. um, I think we're gonna see a a very good augmentation of in-person experiences, showrooms where you can go and play with product, play like actually get a, um, kind of like going into an Apple store, right? Uh, Get an idea of what the product feels like, what it weighs, how it interacts, talk to another person about it. Um, But also you can do pretty much, you can get all of these, uh, some portion of the experience online, Um, And I think just standards for online purchasing are getting just raised every day. Awesome,
0: awesome. Thank you for sharing that insight. I do agree. I think there's a a lot of uh, demand that people will have to increase the quality of the experience online. Just like now, we. You know we have everything on demand you know netflix is basically pushed yeah. out so everything everyone else out of the game and uh that would definitely apply to the online space yeah um, so thanks for sharing that so um last question i do have here yeah, as we kind of move towards the last part of this conversation and you know time has flown by so quickly we've, we've been really uh, enjoying this conversation um for a business owner someone who is starting out and uh you know getting into the world of entrepreneurship or even someone who's an old timer Mm-hmm. How would you say? You know, we talked about the being being um, comfortable with the unknown, right? We talked about mm-hmm. being uh, open to uncertainty and just being able to live with that. How do you handle that challenge, like mentally? And I know you talk about you know you being very much in touch with emotions, mm-hmm. and that you know, goes into emotional mastery, emotional intelligence. But how do you balance, you know, the, your mental health and your mental safety of? okay, this is, I can't control this and I just don't want to worry about this. And also being real and knowing that, you know, things are on edge, I have to take care of all these things and almost getting giving yourself, allowing yourself to feel the emergency, but not in a way that affects you as yeah. an entrepreneur. How do you balance those two extremes? How have you balanced it? How do you recommend someone who is going to get into this balance? It?
1: Oh man, uh, I really, yeah, I wish we could talk a little more about this, because this is like the idea of just, mental health and necessarily not even just mental but proactive Mm. mental health Mm. is something we barely understand as a western society we started to look at proactive physical health right you know in the last 20 years gyms became a thing and everybody needs a gym membership and supplements and healthy eating and a million diets Um, and then the industry kind of made made movement Um, but we don't look at mental health the same way we, we wait for things to go wrong we wait for a depression anxiety to to happen and then you get a diagnosis and then we put meds uh we put meds to that and how do you and like I think fundamentally I had to ask myself that just because I, I guess I was curious how do you mentally become just a little healthier maybe a little mentally mental strength is one thing I think to mental health um and um you know, it's been I think having a a good proactive routine about how you handle mental challenges and stress specifically. So say depression and anxiety, um, let's call it those two things. Um, and I think a big thing of it uh, that I've that helped me deal with, for example, stress of the first year of really really figuring out. It's like I I don't have a customer. I don't know where they're gonna come from. I don't know if this idea is gonna play out. Will I have to move out of my apartment? Will I have to move in with my parents? Will I have to sell my car? Because I don't know if I'm gonna have any money. Um, one thing that, that helped me was a, first of all, a commitment to this idea is like, you know what, no matter, hap- no matter what happens, I will try to grow this company. And then secondly was just taking care of my physical health as best as I could um, through sleep, kind of sleep, diet, exercise. I mean, those are, those are the basics. And it's just like making sure that in the morning before anything happens, I go for a walk or I do a stretch or an exercise, just kind of body weight stuff, go for a shower, um, read and meditate. Basically, at least those two. It takes an hour to get all of those things in. But um, it really is, First of all, kickstarts your day as you already started on a positive note. You've already feel like, you know, made your bed. You've already accomplished something. You get a dopamine hit mm-hmm. um, out of it. And I feel like that's, that's one big thing that um, has helped having actually structure because especially with starting a business, when you're in that no man's land, it's so easy to get to work late, late hours mm. or to start working late. Um, and especially if it's hard on you mentally, and it's hard to get out of bed, or if you don't like, because sometimes it's ups and down, sometimes you're jumping out of bed, oh my god, let's go. And sometimes you're like, hold on, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Is this going to work? Um, so I think having a routine, especially in the morning, not even as much of a bedtime routine, I was pretty terrible at those all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'd say for mental health, having a good physical physical health, taking care of your body um, has been actually the most important thing for me mentally. But, actually, but secondly, though, not, not to be understated, having good people around you having people who are actually, you can lean on and rely on. And it's like, same thing. Will I be able to move in with my family? Does my family like me enough for me to move in with them? If she, you know, should hits the fan. Um, and do I have, does, will my girlfriend get mad at me if I pull too many late nights and cancel plans too many times? Or will I understand, will my friends bail on me mm. because they think I'm a flake? And I think having, having that support
0: network is kind of key, key to success. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. Some exercise, some sort of physical movement, especially as we're in a pandemic, and uh, of course having a network of people who support and help you. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a cool. When I when I think about that question, and you know, for me, I really approached it from more of an emotional uh, mastery mm-hmm. or intelligence perspective. I think about three things, um, but when I think about self awareness, or continue to monitor yourself and just know what you're feeling at, at every given time. Yeah. And there are a whole lot of you know, different exercises you can do to unpack those feelings from meditation to you know journaling and, and all sorts of things. But when you know what's going on internally, it helps at least give you an, an, an option of going how to find solutions to the problem. And then the second part is, I think, self-control or self-regulation. So you have all these toxic emotions or negative emotions. How do you keep them in check so that you're not derailed from your original goals? Because that is very crucial as well. And then the last one I think about is empathy. So empathy mm-hmm. both towards yourself and just giving yourself a little grace. OK, I screwed up. That's OK. I'm not a horrible person. I'm not dumb. It's OK to make mistakes and forgiving yourself and also doing that to others trying to understand where people are coming from. I think that really makes life very, very uh, much easy if you approach it that way with with empathy. Uh, But those three things is what has helped me personally as I've navigated this pandemic and been an entrepreneur and facing all the uncertainties. So last question before I let you go, Andre, do you have any thoughts, any further like, uh, you know, uh, ideas or insights you'd like to share with our listeners before I let you go today?
1: Um, You know, I think you touched on a great point of, I think, reflection. self-reflection is just kind of paying attention because i'd say um i'd say is the biggest thing probably the best mental skill i've ever picked up um in my life has been meditation and just the benefit of sitting there for 10 minutes and paying attention to your own mental process and kind of oh here's a thought here's a thought here's how i feel and they they even feel like they're in different spots in your consciousness Mm. right and um I feel like that's the kind of the leading domino to actually having, first of all, understanding how you feel and what the problems are, and then proactively looking into them and actually working around them. So I'd say as a, as a key takeaway, um, don't underestimate the even one minute a day, 10 minutes a day, whatever, twice a day, whatever makes you happy, give it a try. There's a, there's a bazillion good apps out there. Um, I use uh, Waking Up uh, and it's a paid one, but if you just email support at wakingup.podcast.com or whatever it is um, support at waking up. They'll give you and ask them for a free account. They'll give you a free account because they don't mm-hmm. want like it to be a barrier cost to be a barrier. So I'd say, yes. Um, I think that all starts with how we talk to ourselves and you have to first listen to yourself. before mm-hmm. <laughs> so You can really healthily talk to yourself.
0: So, Absolutely. Yeah. And where, where can people find you? If they want to learn more about you and your company and what you do.
1: Oh, um, arialis.management is our website, uh, bringing us all back to business. Um, we do Shopify subscription management. So we improve. Um, sign-up flows, customer lifetime value and spendings, and email email conversions and optimization, and also paid advertising. So Facebook ads, Google search ads, that sort of stuff. Um, And uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Andre Rudnick, and just send me a message if you have any questions, Shopify-related or business-related. I'd be more than happy to help and uh, very happy to share whatever secret sauce uh, quote-unquote I could have found in my um, small years of uh, entrepreneurship. So that's
0: that. Uh. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's been such a pleasure getting you on the babe, show. Babe. I feel like I, I live, I'm i living this conversation with a lot more insight into uh, the e-commerce space. Uh, I think it's fascinating. I think what you're doing is courageous. It's exciting. And I can't wait to uh, follow up and touch base uh, in, in the coming months to see how things are going. And I'm sure you know, you'll, you'll crush it. But thanks for coming on the show. Yes.
1: Thanks to you, David. And again, same to you. Uh, I know exactly how it feels to grow a business and grow a business in the crazy time like this. And so, yeah, uh, very much. Same goes to you. I watch your stuff and uh, yeah, it keeps me going.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you,
1: sir.